tantrums, blow-ups, meltdowns. If you're anything like me, as a foster and adoptive dad, I've had to experience more than my fair share of outbursts and, and fits from a child who is experiencing a really hard time over something that I might consider to be not so big a deal. Something like being asked to put on their shoes or wash their hands or pull back your hair so that we can have dinner. Why is it that some of the most small, insignificant details or requests that we have for our children can result in such huge and dramatic responses and sometimes boil over into these big relational conflicts? How can we better understand what's going on within our kiddos, within their minds and their hearts and their nervous systems, so that we can better show up for them and give them the things that they need? What is the distress cycle? How does it impact our children's behavior? How does it impact our behavior in these stressful situations? And how can we use it to better show up for our children? That's what I hoped to get to as we scratch the surface of a very deep and meaningful topic here on The Hunger for Connection. My name is Chef Kibby. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. You found The Hunger for Connection, a show that seeks to combine the latest in neuroscience research with our shared experience of food and cooking to create a practical, approachable way for a foster adoptive parent like yourself to connect with the disconnected child in your life you'll begin to see the challenges you face in your parenting not as a problem to be fixed, but as a hunger to be fed. I'm Chef Kibbe, public speaker and biological foster and adoptive dad, and I'm here to help you feed the hunger for connection. Before we go any further, I just wanted to acknowledge that this is episode five of the Hunger for Connection podcast. I cannot believe that we're five episodes in already. And I just wanted to stop and say thank you to all of you who have already been listening and subscribing to this program. It means so much to me that there are people out there that are experiencing life in a similar fashion to me as a biological foster and adoptive dad who is going through the struggles of caring for children who um, who are disconnected relationally, neurologically, socially, and it is a challenge. And I'm glad that you are not doing it alone, and I am so grateful that you are being served by the information that I am serving up in this podcast. And I would love for you to uh, leave a review wherever it is you're listening to this, and let me know what it has been that I have shared with you thus far that has been most helpful or and or what it is that you would like to learn as you continue to listen and subscribe to this program. It means so much to me that you were listening, and I want to know how to serve you better. So please be sure to do that. Um, don't wait. Do it right now. Go ahead and pause this episode, leave that review, and then come back. Are you done? All right, great. Let's move on. So hunger is something that is cyclical. We are living beings. We are human creatures, and we have within us a metabolism that is constantly processing the nutrients, the ingredients that we've put into our body by feeding ourselves. Those, those resources are being utilized, and so eventually they have to be replenished. That is the purpose to hunger. 
And by hunger, we're talking about this discomfort, this discomfort that comes from our subconscious body that is a result of the deficiency of particular nutrients and resources that our body needs in order to function at its best. This discomfort as a result of deficiency then tries to communicate through the discomfort to the conscious brain in order for it to recognize that there is something wrong, that there is a deficiency, decoding that information that it is receiving so that it can then decide what to do. Those are the four D's of hunger. You have discomfort, you have deficiency, a decoding, and a decision. I will mention them over and over again, so hopefully it um, will become second nature to you as well. But these four D's, although it seems linear, it's actually very cyclical, if you think about it. Because after we go through this discomfort and deficiency, we have this decoding and decision. That decision hopefully leads us to a result of comfort. We, we re achieve satiety. We give our body what it needs to then have peace again. And then eventually, the cycle repeats over and over again. Oh, if you listened to episode four of the Hunger for Connection podcast, and it's not a requirement, you can go back to, and listen to it after this. In episode four, we talked about a newborn, a newborn child who has not formed an understanding of hunger. We don't understand hunger when we're born. All we have is that discomfort, peace. And so as a newborn baby is going into this discomfort cycle, or the, the distress cycle, all they are experiencing is the discomfort part. They're not able to understand that there's a deficiency that needs to be decoded and make a decision. All they know is the discomfort. Now, how that understanding is achieved, the, the process by which we develop this understanding of hunger, I'm going to have to wait and go into in more detail in another episode. Today, I just want to focus on the cyclical nature of hunger. If the baby is hungry and a caregiver comes in and satisfies that hunger, this child is able to get out of the distress cycle and life moves on. However, if the caregiver is not able to come in right away and satisfy that hunger in this newborn baby, then the distress cycle continues, only it doesn't stay at the same level. It actually increases. It adds on to itself. Because not only do you have the initial discomfort of being hungry, now you have the discomfort of not being able to do anything about it. So now, not only do you have the physical hunger of needing food, you also have the, the emotional side of it. As the, the stress and the worry and the anxiety builds up, the distress cycle layers on itself as it continues to go over and over again, spinning sometimes out of control until emotionally it overwhelms us. And in a baby, that's when the baby cries, when they are not able to respond to the discomfort, understanding the deficiency, to decode the information and make a decision, the cycle just continues and it activates our autonomic nervous system which is deeply connected to that part of us that is trying to let us know that we are hungry. And that is when the distress cycle can become a real issue for our children. 
when a child has not developed the the neurological, relational, emotional, physical connections in order to be able to understand the discomfort, to decode, to decide, to understand the deficiency, then the cycle will only continue until someone else can come in and achieve this comfort for them. That's the case for our physical hunger, for our need to be fed, but that's also the case for our hunger for connection. It's just as true in that sense. When we feel an emotional discomfort, that there's some sort of a, a lack of peace in our relationship to ourselves, to another person, to our environment, or to our overall sense of hope and peace for the future, it creates in us this sense of distress. And unless we can get through the cycle to understand the deficiency, decode the information, and come up with a decision that's going to bring us comfort, the cycle just continues and it builds on itself and it becomes increasingly more difficult to get out of it. One of the reasons why it becomes increasingly difficult to get out of the distress cycle as it builds in, in capacity, as it builds in intensity, is that more and more resources are being used to process the anxiety, to process the distress. And that causes within us, within the autonomic nervous system of the person who is in distress, to move their sense of attention away from the parts of the brain that are a little bit more developed, such as the, the outer cortex and most specifically the prefrontal cortex, into the deeper parts of the brain that aren't as capable of making smart and clear thinking decisions. They're more instinctual. Um, many cases you'll hear about things like the fight or flight response. This is a perfect example of when we would go into fight or flight response. You may have also heard it talked about as, as the polyvagal system or falling down your polyvagal ladder. That's what the, the, that is what the distress cycle does to us. It increases in intensity, and unfortunately, that increase in intensity also makes it more difficult for us to be in relationship with ourselves and with others and with our environment. And it becomes more and more important for someone else to be able to come in, to step in, and to provide that comfort to help that other person out of the cycle. And that's, that's our responsibility. That's your responsibility as a parent or as a caregiver to a child who's come from hard places is to help them out of this distress cycle. And I'm holding myself back from laughing because <laughs> it is so much easier said than done. You've seen the distress cycle in action. If you've seen your child melt down in the middle of the grocery store or throw a complete fit because you've asked them to do something that you've asked them to do countless times in the past, and it was not a problem then, but for some reason it's a problem now. A lot of these frustrating and confusing behaviors are a result of this distress cycle that is taking place somewhere in their mind and in their polyvagal system, in their autonomic nervous system, only it's really hard for us to see that. All that we see is a child who 
for what reason we do not know, is not doing what we've asked them or told them to do. And oftentimes, doing so, even though the thing that we would ask them to do would actually help them to feel better in this situation. We as parents and caregivers are trying to do our best for these children, and sometimes these children don't, sometimes our child doesn't always get it. And that can cause some frustration for us, doesn't it? The real challenge in our children's distress cycle is that it activates my distress cycle. When my child is acting up and having a tantrum or a meltdown, especially if it's over something that, from my perspective, from my vantage point, is totally unnecessary, totally uncalled for, is hitting me in a way that feels like defiance, disrespect, dishonor, all of a sudden, my distress cycle is starting to ramp up. All of a sudden, my child's behavior, rather than inspiring in me a sense of compassion to come in and meet that need, to feed that hunger in them so that they can get out of their cycle, all of a sudden, mine is kicking in. Now, I'm experiencing discomfort. That is, as a result of a deficiency of peace in the relationship with my child, in the deficiency of obedience, of compliance, of respect, of sticking together with no hurts. Whew. There's a real deficiency happening in that moment, a deficiency that my brain is trying to decode so that I can decide to do something with it. And unfortunately, as their behavior continues to spiral out of control, I, I become less and less likely able to give them the comfort that they need because more and more, I'm the one in need of comfort because my distress cycle is ramping up. That could be the most challenging part of foster and adoptive and orphan care. Is that when a child who is disconnected from their family of origin is going through that distress cycle and is completely and totally reliant on you, totally reliant on me to come in and be the comfort in that situation but it's so hard to access that when I'm in my own distress cycle and our cycles are just building off of each other. They're adding to each other's distress cycle until the wheels fall off. I mean, quite literally. So what do we do? I think the really uncomfortable truth that I have had to come to terms with, and I'm continuing to come to terms with, is that when we're in the distress cycle, my child and I, they are not going to be able to feed my hunger for connection. As much as I want them to, as much as I feel like it is their duty to do so, their obligation to do so as my child, as much as I feel like they are called to obey, and to listen, and to do so first and fast, 
when they're in their distress cycle, they're in many cases incapable of doing that. Putting that expectation on that child in that circumstance is only going to lead to more distress. And it's only going to lead to the wheels falling off. And that feels uncomfortable. It feels like, it feels imbalanced, doesn't it? That in some way, my emotional needs have to be put aside in order to meet my child's emotional needs. And unfortunately, I think that might be true. There is a sense that we, we do have to put our own emotional needs and sometimes our expectations of our children's behaviors aside in order to address the distress that's happening in them. Otherwise, they nor us are ever going to get to a point where we can actually sit down and discuss what happened. We're never going to be able to get to a point where we can be in a healthy relationship with one another. That's not going to happen in the middle of the distress cycle. We have to get out of that distress cycle before we can begin to reason with one another and understand what the deficiency is so that in the future we'll be better capable of decoding and deciding. But in that moment, the only thing we can do is find a way of comforting ourselves apart from our children's behavior so that we can be the comfort for them so that we can then come back after both of us have been brought into a sense of comfort and relational openness to then try and find an area of learning and growth for, for future interactions and expectations. How do we comfort ourselves? Well, we have to, you have to, find a way of speaking truth into yourself, of calming your own autonomic nervous system. It could be as simple as stopping and taking a deep breath. Taking a deep breath helps to regulate your autonomic nervous system, helps to bring about more of a balance between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems so that you can be more attuned and present in the moment. It may be, again, speaking truth into it through words, through yourself, to recognize this child is not able to comply. This child is not in a, in a point where they can obey. This child is experiencing distress. How do I get them out of this distress so that we can then stop and reconnect later? It's going to take reps. It's going to take practice. Have you ever been in this situation? What has worked for you? What has helped you to get out of the distress cycle? For me, it has been this idea of the hunger for connection. By understanding that when my child is acting this way, it is because they are hungry. And it is a real hunger. Sometimes it may be a hunger for food. They may not have had a snack in a while. And it could be just as simple as, hey, kiddo, let's you and I sit down and have some crackers, 
have some cheese, have some dried fruit, piece of candy, whatever it is, whatever's closely available. Let's just get a quick bite to eat, get a drink of water, and let's see if we can work this out. It could be as simple as that. But more than that, just recognizing hunger, because I know how I get when I'm hungry, physically and emotionally and spiritually, relationally. And by, again, kind of like we were talking about in a previous episode, contextualizing the situation of recognizing the hunger that's being experienced by them, recognizing the experience of hunger in ourselves, so that we can have a a deeper sense of empathy, both for our child and for ourselves, and give ourselves permission to, to ease up, to see the distress, and see what we can do to move out of distress so that we can reconnect relationally. I would love to know if you have anything that has worked well for you. If so, um, leave it in the review that you're going to leave for this podcast. Send me an email if you'd like to message me personally, or uh, you can send me a DM on Instagram as well. I hope that you have found this helpful. I have found it helpful for myself, and I have found it helpful to be sharing this as a tool, as a resource for people as I'm Um, speaking and traveling the country, sharing the things that God has done in my life so that the next time your child or you personally are experiencing the distress cycle in your relationship, that you'll be able to see the hunger that's behind it and begin to, to feed it. And in doing so, feeding the relationship that you have with this child that God has placed into your home. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. I'll see you in the kitchen.